but she does a master class <clears throat> on what tennis like you're not going to play tennis like serena williams welcome to spinsters a podcast where we are the clear moral choice here I'm Haley. This is Jordan. We are joined by our producer, Harry, and our social media manager, Sierra. Today, we're also joined by Jay, Caspian and Kang. We are so excited. Um, it's a great conversation. Um, and before we get to it, our housekeeping, subscribe to our YouTube, make me and Jordan some money. Mm-hmm. And also, me and producer Harry were on the Long Shot Pod, and me and Jordan were on What Did I Miss with Michelle Beadle. Um, it was a award show. The non-traditional NBA award show is very fun. Yes, very fun. So check all of those out. And how, are we about to go into a break? Is that what happens after these? Okay. Yes. <laughs> and here's, <laughs> here's Jay Caspian King after the break. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Go to indeed.com slash spinsters to claim your $75 credit before April 30th. Um, can, we'll start by, um, Jay, if you want to introduce yourself and your Great. stuff. Uh, my name's Jay Kang. I'm writer for the New York Times opinion section. Um, and I have a podcast with some of my friends, too, called Time to Say Goodbye. And you wrote a book. Are you, like, done plugging your book has it been like a year is that when people cut it off <laughs> yeah I, yeah i think it's like when your relationship with your book turns which i'm at <laughs> you know i'm like I get this out of my life but everyone should buy it it's called the loneliness of americans your relationship with it doesn't have to reflect mine but mine definitely is <laughs> just like you know like what what's next in my life let's figure it out yeah um that's funny i've always wondered about that because sometimes even with an article i just wish you know, like I'm, I'm over it and I don't want to be, um, associated, not because it's like, I don't agree with it anymore or anything, but you know, it just some, the idea of something I did existing forever is pretty terrifying to me, which is why when, um, we started a YouTube page, I tried to revolt for many months, (laughs) (laughs) but here we are. Yeah. It's, I, I write twice a week now, which is new for me because I was always a magazine writer. I'd write twice a year. And mm-hmm. I will say I like it a lot better just because um, once you're done with something, it's over and then you're on the next thing. And, yeah. you know, I've written some pretty bad things and I'm just like, well, I don't know. Who cares? You know, it's fine. <laughs> you know, whereas if you're doing it twice a year, it sticks with you a little bit more. And you're like, man, that was terrible. I should have done better. But now it's just like, I don't know. Well, that was a bad one. And that next one will hopefully be better, <laughs> which is yeah. actually quite liberating in a lot of ways. It is. I totally agree with that. When you have a big feature story, you attach yourself to it. You keep reading it over and over and over. And yeah, right. when I'm done, I am done. I never even open the tab again. I'm not talking about it anymore. <laughs> Got right. There's no yourself. pin tweet. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> right. You spend, and you don't spend all this time being like, why is nobody talking about me? You know, you're just like, I don't know. Maybe I just whiffed on that one or, you know, maybe people missed it. It's fine. You know, <laughs> it's much healthier, even much though healthier, you yeah. do spend a lot more time, you know, sitting in your basement typing. But, uh, you know, that's not I like doing that. So it's fine. Um, so we've had you, we've wanted to have you on for a long time, but we got you on to talk about the Celtics, which I'm sure is something that you hear often. 
uh do i i don't know <laughs> that was sarcastic <laughs> okay. i was like oh did he not get that that was very sarcastic um do you have a fandom i can't i don't know uh well you know i was i spent like the first half of i don't know maybe third of my childhood in the boston area and so i was like a celtics fan and a Red Sox fan. I'm still a Red Sox fan, but then we moved to North Carolina and just became a Tar Heel fan. So, um, and then I don't know, you know, like it just became very, I, I have, I just don't, I had a hard time identifying with being a Boston fan when I turned like, you know, when I was like 18 to 25 or something and it slowly eroded. And now I, you know, like the Patriots, for example, like no way, you know, like I think when I was like seven, I would be like, oh yeah, you know, Craig James, Tony Easton, this is great. I love the Patriots, but now it's, there's nothing, there's nothing left there. The Celtics I have, I don't know. I like intellectually think, oh, I should like the Celtics. I like, I'm not a Charlotte Hornets fan or something like that, you know? So, but I certainly, you know, it's, it's case by case. And if they're playing someone that's, you know, I dislike more then I root for them, but it, they're not a particularly special team to me or anything. Mm. I wasn't Same. sure. Yeah. Um, it feels like you either love the Celtics or you hate the Celtics. So you are one yeah. of a kind. I've never met someone who's like feel- neutral <laughs> in between Celtics fan. Yeah. I don't, it's, do you like, uh, if you have any familiarity with like the Piedmont region of North Carolina, right? Like, it's kind of strange because you feel very like uh, there's at least when I was growing up, you felt a very you didn't feel very connected to Charlotte in any sort of way, you know. And so all the Charlotte teams started when I was like in middle school. So the Hornets and the um, and the Panthers and Charlotte just just kind of far away. And then people in that area just like kind of reject it out of hand. And then there's all these kind of college basketball lifers, right? Which is just like, you know, like, why would you ever pl- watch people who get paid to play, you know? Or like, <laughs> you don't got to tell me. I'm in Kentucky. Like, that's, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I hear that every day. <laughs> there's only one thing to be like, no, you know, like, yeah, if you want to watch a bunch of people dribble around and, and you know, like not play team basketball, then then go watch the, the Hornets. And you're just like, I don't know, you know. <laughs> the way to identify that is if they bring up travels. Because one thing about yeah. people who love college basketball is that the minute you bring up the <laughs> NBA, they're like, they just travel all the time. <laughs> that is a fact. Oh, yeah. my God. That is so true. <laughs> it's true. It was always, like, mildly racist in North Carolina, too. You know, <laughs> in ways that I'm sure are quite obvious. But it was like, you know, even the Carolina – now, the Duke fans were, you know, obviously just – racist but the <laughs> carolina fans it would they'd be like well you know if it's not dean smith shepherding in civil rights you know and teaching these young men how to you know young young boys how to be men then it's not real and then they go to the nba and they get all rich you know it's, like, just <laughs> yeah. like, oh, it's so messed up it's such like, a messed huh? up dynamic yeah <laughs> you're like okay i got it you're like oh so you're not happy that this guy who like you know played for four years or three years for you is now you know doing well and can support his family and like yeah. other people like him be like no <laughs> you know he, in he college should, forever yeah they should make oh college six years so that you know. yeah it got much it got much much worse i think for both the schools in kentucky and both the schools in north carolina when um one and done became more popular Right. Because right. then, yeah, that kind of narrative just blew up even more. Yeah. Right. I'm sure they did not like that. <laughs> no, definitely not. Yeah, um, all right, go ahead. Oh, no. What were you going to say? Oh, no. I was just like, especially because like, you know, like with Duke, like it was always 
you know, Mike Shesky being like, we have four, our guys stay four years and they get a great education at Duke. And the implication was always like, oh, well, those, you know, one and done, or not even one and doneers, but like people like Jerry Stackhouse, Rashid Wallace, who stayed two or three years. You know, they're like, oh, well, what education could they have possibly gotten? And you're like, your guys didn't get any education. Like, what are we talking about here? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, like, uh- Speaking of Coach K, did you guys see that he was there last night? I did yeah. see that. He and Tatum said after the game, it was the first game he's been to since Tatum was at Duke to see oh, him play. Really? Wow. Jason got drafted in 2017. What kind of asshole doesn't go see his former player play for that long? I'm trying to think Whoa. if like the calendar didn't add up. Like if they were. If when he was in the playoffs, they were in. No, that still doesn't make no, sense. No, because the thing no. about it, the Celtics have gone to the play, like famously yeah. have gone to the playoffs for this many years. Ooh, yeah. Maybe just mad because he only stayed one year. <laughs> it, that, but that used to be true, but it can't be true anymore because everyone at Duke only stays one year now. You know, like he was always mad at Corey Maggette because Corey Maggette left after his freshman year, and, and there was this guy like Will. A- I can't believe ha- this is it. If I'm getting too deep into like ancient Duke history, just tell me. There's this guy, Will Avery, who stayed like two years, and Coach K like won't talk to him. And he wasn't at the, you know, like the, he wasn't part of the gigantic procession of ex Duke players like at, at his last game in Cameron. But um, he can't do that now. Like every single one of his players stayed one year, you know, like he's going to be mad at Marvin Bagley or something like that. You're like, you told me this was the deal. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to stay one year. I think also like there was a lot of Duke players in that game. So it seemed like he was kind of, you know, saying if uh, I go Kyrie. to one game, I get right. Kyrie, you get Seth. Seth. Yeah, Seth. Oh, Seth that's Curry, right. Jason Tatum. So maybe he's just like, well, this is the one game I can, you know, make up for a lot of these players. Yeah, you should have one of those. You should have one of those like patchwork jerseys with all of them on it. It's like (laughs) I'm here for all three of my guys. (laughs) Like one split down the middle. Yeah, yeah. Boston, yeah. Kyrie and uh, Jason Tatum. And no Seth. Yeah, I I forgot about Seth. uh, (laughs) Two players, to be honest. Seth. Seth transferred in. didn't he, he started at like Liberty or something like that? I You're think. right. Probably yeah. that's yeah. the Curry yeah. way. So maybe yeah. that's what the, it is. <laughs> they no no family is better at positioning themselves as underdogs while being like extremely, extremely great. <laughs> yeah extremely <laughs> um, set up to be NBA players and right. successful. Yeah, <laughs> they're good. I again like I just remember my take from when we started recording. Um, the Celtics game. Well, let's talk about the game a little bit last night. Right. What the fuck? I genuinely was I was shocked at Oh wait, I have a stat that I have to read because we well, I'm sure we'll talk about the defense. That was like the biggest story to me. Mm-hmm. The best way to illustrate just how good the defense was last night for the Celtics is knowing that Katie and Kyrie went 1 for 17 in the second half. Oh, yeah. Wow. Katie right. by Together. himself went 0 for 10. Like, he did not make a shot in the second half. That has never happened in his career in the second first half. Time? First oh, time. Wow. Playoffs, regular season. Yeah, I saw I that think. stat. That's insane. He looked yeah, like he... Danny Green with a wingspan. He looked terrible. I've never, I've never seen him like that. I'm not even being hyperbolic. I do think that NBA, well, sports fans in general have this thing where their, their memory is, like, so short. Um you know, you like 
will be super onto a player or a team for like a month and then he has one bad game and all of a sudden he's right. like a you know fraud mm -hmm. but i've genuinely never seen kd like that not even in college yeah the closest was that game where clay hit all those shots you know when they're up three one and clay mm -hmm. scored whatever however many points in the second half and he both katie and ross seemed pretty shook at that point but it wasn't like this i mean mm -hmm. he just looked like a different player and he actually looked like he was bothered by the crowd he looked like he was really bothered by you know all the people that are throwing on him and then it was he he just didn't look right it almost looked like he was hurt or something like that mm -hmm. you know where he or at least like extremely discouraged and then Kyrie didn't touch the ball in the in the fourth quarter. I mean, it's one of the strange. It really was one of the strangest games because mm -hmm. I thought that I thought that KD was going to score fifty points in this game, you know, and mm -hmm. that they were going to win. Yeah. Um. Or that Kyrie was going to score sixty, you know, like, and they both kind of just faded, which. Yeah. I was very surprised by. It. Like, I just I thought both those dudes are so competitive, you know, and KD has gotten has been this guy who always rises to the occasion for the past. I don't know, six years or something, five, six mm -hmm. years. And um, he just was, he seemed like he was somewhere else. He seemed yeah, you flustered. Like, yeah. the, especially like the first couple minutes of the game, I just remember watching, there were so many foul calls. Right. I was like, this isn't even really basketball at this point. They're just bullying them, throwing double teams at them. And right, like the game plan was clear. We're not going to let KD and Kyrie beat us and that's when Bruce Brown had like 12 points of the first 16 points for the Nets yeah. they're like that's yes this sign. is the game plan <laughs> yeah and <laughs> Dragic they were losing. too yeah, yeah Dragic <laughs> they were like this is the game plan we don't care we're gonna come back as long as Katie and Kyrie are not the people and it surprised me how well it worked but like you're saying Haley that's a credit to their defense it was out of this world yeah well I mean the thing is is that if you need the Nets need their supporting cast to be very very good um but also if they are the ones who are scoring the majority of the points like that's a really bad sign that's a horrible that will never not be a bad sign for them mm -hmm. right. um and Steve Nash just looked like I mean I don't know I saw this one tweet that said like man can you like scream a little or like clap or something because it wasn't even just like he looked flustered he just looked like he was hanging out it was so <laughs> confusing yeah I th it was the whole game was confusing because they don't you would think that after game one after you know all the Boston fans acting I'm sure like they were acting and then Kyrie you know flipping them off and that and then them losing in this terrible way right this sort of like really weird way mm -hmm. that they would just come out and win by 20 and it seemed like at the beginning of the game maybe that was what was going to happen and then they just kind of bailed like I don't know I've never seen that and um yeah. I kind of think they're gonna get swept now you know like where it's just like well you know the stuff that Nash said after the game where he's just like this is a you know this is a new team and they're starting to learn to play together it's like <laughs> What are you talking Wait, about? Wait, what? And then and, and Kyrie. I did not hear that. Yeah, what yeah. the hell? Well, hold on. Okay, well, I, look, I'm sourcing this from a tweet I saw. So who no, knows? No, you that know? makes, it makes sense, but it's really bad. And Kyrie was saying, well, maybe this is, 
you know, I'm not mad at these guys. Maybe it's their time to go out and do well. And it's like, what are you? You're down two nothing. You're, da- yeah. you're going back home. Like, what? What is this? You know, like um, basically going back to a neutral location. That's why I know that. Like the second I that game ended, I thought this is gonna be a sweep because they're literally going. Barclays is not. There's not a home crowd there. Right. That is not like an influential place to play. Did uh. So right before we got on, we all saw the tweet that said um, Ben Simmons is going to play in game four. Did you see that? Wait, no? Really? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Why are they doing this to him? Horrible. You know? I know. <laughs> Why? Because I think it was after, I feel like just yesterday, Nash said, you know, he has a long way to go. Like, he just played contact, but he has a long way to go to be comfortable playing next day he's playing game four like that's i I mean i don't it just makes no sense because it's like all right so you have this guy who let's say that everything ben simmons said is true right like let's say he does have a hurt back and let's say that he dealt with a lot of mental health stuff which is you know like i don't know like it it probably is difficult to be kind of humiliated by and then have your coach and you know former friend and maybe he is very fragile so you're gonna put him in this game against these killers you know where he's like gonna his first game and he's like he was barely playing four and they're like oh he played four and four you know with some contact like yeah. yesterday. <laughs> Literally yesterday that sounds like how i play basketball you know it's like yeah it's like generally four and four you jog around there's very little contact <laughs> you know? now he's now gonna go be in a game with marcus smart right like- Go guard Jason and Tatum. And Jalen, yeah. Right. Or, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was uh, Jalen, Jason is who I meant to say. I mean, yesterday, what it reminded me of is, um, Jordan, I know you used to nanny. Jay, have you ever, like, babysat or or do you have kids? I don't know. I have a five-year-old, yeah. So okay, most well, of my life is babysitting. Yeah. If, you, if you've ever been, like, around a group of kids and they get really hyper, there's this thing where, like, if they all attack you at the same time, like it is overwhelming. You know what I mean? Like they, if they all decide that like they want something or whatever, I have a bunch of little cousins right now who are all boys. And um, it reminded me of that, their defense, except from grownups. It was so intense. And I just cannot, it just does not seem like a good idea to throw Ben in there. I mean, the pros are like, okay, you get another ball handler. They really need it. I guess this frees up Kyrie and KD, but frees them up for what? You know, it it's not going to be a distraction. They're not going to pay him much mind um, defensively as a shooter because for obvious reasons. So I, I just don't, I don't know. I don't Right, even... and why wouldn't they just foul him every single time, you know, and just be like, okay, you know, remember the last time you were stepped on a basketball court, you know? Like, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how many free throws you've shot since then, but it <laughs> yeah. seems like it's probably not many. You know, and so like, yeah, you know, like, here you go, you know, relive it all. And of course, they'll do that. It seems like it's cruel to Ben. You know, I don't really like Ben Simmons and I don't I I don't feel too much sympathy for him. But it is if you're the Nets and you're like, all right, we have to invest in this guy for the next four years, at least. And uh, what are ways we could totally break him? And this is one of them. (laughs) Just like, let's have him just do it all over again. You know, that's. I, we said this on another podcast, like the last time he played basketball was in a high pressure situation and right. it did not go well. So what are we going to do? We're going to put him in a must win game. They have to win. Right. I feel like in, mm-hmm. you know, these next couple games and they're like, okay, be this all-star great person right off the bat. I think even as a Celtics, no, that's not going to happen. So to your point, Haley, they're not going to pay him any mind. It would be, 
more of a surprise if he does well. I don't know if anyone's expecting him to. I don't even know if the Nets are expecting him to. Just seems like run a couple practice games before you go into the series. I'm so right. How many times have these? Because you know they don't practice very much when the season's going on, especially older players like Kyrie and KD. So like, Mm -hmm. how much? How many times have they actually played basketball with Ben Simmons? I mean, yeah. it's got to be extremely limited. So, um, I don't know. It's that that I didn't know that. That sounds like a horrible idea, but yeah. it's going to be very entertaining to watch. You know? Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. it will be very entertaining to watch against yeah. like the most in sync defense that is has successfully um, shut down two of the best scores in right, the NBA. Right. Um, yeah, of course. What could go wrong? Um, so you tweeted, yeah, I have it pulled up. This is the first, this was game one to be fair enough. So maybe your stance has changed. This was the first series I can remember where the Celtics are the clear moral choice. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I was trying to think about it and you know, my friend texted me afterwards and he was, I think he was correct where he's just like, you're still wrong because basically the way that basketball operates is that. There's the Celtics and there's everybody else, you know, um, and it's similar to what we we're talking about with like college basketball now where there's like Duke and then there's like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like Duke is always going to be that villain and the Celtics, I guess, through basketball history, he's right about that. But I don't know. First of all, I think the Celtics team is pretty likable, you know, like it's, you know, and, and the Basically, I don't. I like older players, except like yeah. Peyton Pritchard, you know. But like, you know, that's like a very minor dislike. Just like, how mad am I really at Peyton Pritchard? <laughs> you know? Yesterday at the end of the game, I was kind of annoyed. I was like, can you get this? Like, what is this, this guy's like dumping his chest and like, you know, like <laughs> screaming and stuff? Like it's an like, yeah, it's like Peyton. It's like a creative player. I don't yes, know. he runs like I was gonna. I didn't tweet this, but I was thinking about it. It's like he runs kind of. I went to a very small school in Maine, you know, like a Division three school of fifteen hundred kids, and like he runs like you know the basketball players on on that team did, you know, where it's just kind of <laughs> it's a little lumbering. You can tell it's not like a premier athlete, but it's like pretty good at basketball. It's like it's not an athlete, you know. Yeah. But um, but yeah, they uh. I, I think that that for this series, just because of everything with the Nets, right, with Kyrie and with uh, this sort of bad season that they've had, and um, I don't know, I don't think it's really debatable, really, right? Like, it's like, do you really want Kyrie and KD and all this stuff to have, like, worked out in the end for them, right? Like, um, now, it's a little complicated. I don't know, is Jalen Jalen Brown and... And Al Horford vaccinated, like nobody knows, you know. Um, and knows. so, yeah, like maybe. <laughs> but, so that would like they have to like go to Canada to find out, I guess. You know, like this is the only way that we'll ever know. But um, I don't know. I think it's. Uh, I, I guess I. I. I don't think it's particularly close in terms of who people should be rooting for because you just don't want Kyrie's whole thing to have worked, right? And it seemed for a while that it might work, right? Like the like when he's when he's got like sixty against. Orlando, I was like, oh no, you know, like, like they're going to win, you know, he's going to get a trophy and public opinion is kind of swinging, you know, they're just like, this is ridiculous, right? Like that he's not allowed to play. People like Ted Cruz are like taking up his cause and you're just like, oh my God, you know, this is all going to work for him and he's going to win and he's going to get like a congratulate, like Ted Cruz is going to be like, he should have always been allowed to play and it's going to be horrible. <laughs> like all of that would have happened, but you know, thankfully it doesn't seem like it is at this point. 
I did enjoy the NBA putting it, being put in a weird position um, very publicly because they just tend to like always do a poll on public opinion or that's what right. it feels like to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this one, like it directly went against what I feel like is their best interest, um, you know, like him playing. But they also very much did not want him to like they told the Nets they couldn't just accept that fine in New York. Right. And maybe I just didn't actually know how that all technically worked but it felt like the nba was in a very weird situation which i enjoyed um yeah but what do you what goes into like making a what is a moral team like what makes up the moral choice for a playoff team that's a good question i don't know do you like so there's like thing that haruki murakami at some point was giving the speech and he said like if there's a battle between an egg and a wall right I'm always going to be on the side of the egg, right? We should always, be. And in that sense, you should always root against the Celtics, right? Like it, that's sure. sort of the egg and wall type of thing. But I don't know. I think that, that I guess I just don't really think about the NBA as being so monolithic at this point, right? Like just because it's so, it's shifted. It's not just the Celtics and Lakers anymore. It's more player based, right? And it's superstar based. And I don't know. I think it's a little bit complicated. There was a period of time in like 2015, 2016, 2017 or so where I was arguing that everyone should just be morally should be a LeBron fan because like we should we should appreciate what he does, you know, and the style that he plays and that every other style is actually morally inferior to him playing this style of basketball <laughs> where he's like it's the it, it, it combines so much intelligence and like unselfishness and, you know, although, you know, like LeBron is selfish in other ways, but, you know, like generally that um, passing and, you know, being able to think things through and that like this is like the highest form of basketball that's ever been played and morally we should support it because we should want basketball to keep evolving. Um, mm-hmm. I still stand by that, by the way. Um, but, you know, LeBron's old now and so it's it's a little bit different. I don't know. I yeah, think- things are different. There's just been mm-hmm. transitions like Jordan, you're someone who's had a team like your whole life mm-hmm. with the Lakers. I I just don't have an NBA team. So the super team thing was like, I just didn't ever care. Yeah. Um, but it felt like people who were fans of teams did care a lot more about that. So do you feel like, I almost feel like it's shifted back where now like super teams, people are like, well, no, it's fine. I mean, I don't really, it, it feels like it's more common or maybe this is just the very small slice of representation that NBA Twitter um, gives us. Mm-hmm. But I almost feel like now, we can cheer against the super teams because the people who were so anti, which always felt rooted in something much weirder, um, you know, when people were like anti-player empowerment. Now it feels like it's been kind of accepted. So you can be against the Nets for that reason as well. What do you think? Yeah, I I agree. I think even though I have a team um, and... (laughs) I find myself just randomly clapping for the Nets against the Celtics. I don't know. It's just like a reflex. I don't I'm not doing it on purpose. But um, even, you know, I, I have players that I'm rooting for. Like, I think Chris Paul is a great example. Like, I'm not a Suns fan, but I'm like, I want Chris Paul to win. And there's other people That's that you're like. That's very anti-moral choice, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want him to have a championship. But I Me think too. It's, Me too. I'm kind of there. It's other players where I'm like, I, you're very easy to hate. Like, I don't want you to succeed. So I'm automatically rooting for the other team or the other superstar on the other team to, to win. But I, even though I have a team, I'm kind of all over the place, too, with rooting for players. 
It has very much shifted with Chris Paul because I remember like the second he was on the Suns and they were becoming fun. Um, I guess it just felt like something because he hadn't completely orchestrated it himself. Suddenly, the way his antics were like almost endearing and fun. Maybe it's just because he's older. I don't know. Or maybe it's because he's gone this long and he hasn't had a championship. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I think suck. it's his age. But I also think it's something about like, this is weird and biblical, but I think it was the year he spent in OKC and he was still good and he was still trying yes. and he was like mentoring people. And people were like, oh, he did his penance. You know, he like right. wandered through the wilderness <laughs> and now it's his time. Right? <laughs> but, and I fell for that, too. I, I don't even I fell too. for it, but I bought it. You know, I was yeah. like, OK, enough. I hate Chris Paul, you know, because I, yeah. I, all the way back because, you know, like he played at Wake and um, he punched Julius Hodge and the balls. And, I, you know, I found it all very. And, you know, I went to a lot of Clippers fan, uh, games when I was working at Grantland because we were in L.A. Live. And I, you know, I so I watched him play with. Blake and DeAndre a lot and I hated them you know just because they complained mm-hmm. the whole time and uh and now it's just like all right you know give give the old man his you know give the old man his ring I'm gonna feel emotional about you like I've been through this whole like 20 year emotional journey with you, <laughs> you <Yes. know? laughs> but you but you you know it's like you did your time you know the OKC thing you you uh you know like and now you're a different person you're like rebirthed and I don't know I've, I've I'm, I'm rooting for them I think I might be rooting for them more than any of the other teams at this point, you know, mm-hmm. um, and uh, certainly more than like the Warriors or anything like that. Uh, yeah. So Harry and Sierra are Warriors fans. And so we've been very delicate, I think, with it. <laughs> but talk about a weird moral arc, like because yeah. when they had that season where they were bad, I was like, this is awesome. I enjoy watching needed. this, not because they're bad, but somewhat because they were bad. And that was kind of fun. Um but also because I like seeing a team have to figure it out a little bit. And to your point about Chris Paul, I liked that he gave as much as he did when his teams had a chance of, of winning a championship or even just going far in the playoffs. He gave all of that effort to OKC. And so I enjoyed those Warriors teams as a result. But um, are there any other playoff um, series that have a clear going on right now that have a clear, um, moral choice that we should uh, be I, don't, I don't think so the warriors part i just feel like i live here in the bay area and i don't want to hear draymond after they win it's mostly my thing you know he's gonna say all sorts of crazy shit and it's mm-hmm. gonna be so annoying and then you know <laughs> and there's like a warrior's triumphalism up here that is uh i don't know it's a little annoying like i was here for a very long period of time when they were very bad Right. And um, I was here for We Believe and that was super exciting. And, um, you know, to have those same people sort of turn around and just be like, of course, good things are going to happen to us. Of course, we're going to win. You know, I'm just like, I don't know. You seem to have forgotten when it was like Mike Dunleavy, you know, (laughs) like scrambling around Oracle in front of like. I don't know, like 12,000 Filipino fans, you know, like, <laughs> like that, that's what this team used to be. And that's why it was cool. You know, yeah. and now, now it's something else, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think about any others. I definitely mm-hmm. am, am cheering for the Suns. I just think that that's fun. And there's something about um, what made the we believe and then sort of even as they went a bit further teams fun for me too was I always like I'm not like a uh someone who needs this as a requirement to, for liking a team but I always like when a team 
grows into a team that's very good and doesn't necessarily trade for it. Not because I'm like anti building a team that way. I just think it's mm -hmm. cool to see people do that over time. Like right. I really hope that happens with the Hornets and the Thunder one day if they ever decide to take the leap um, one day. <laughs> yeah, and actually try. Our grandchildren that. will see yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's also what I like about the Suns is that not it's not entirely, but they didn't give up on um, Devin Booker after all those years. Not like they had anything else, but I don't know. Everyone else seemed to like throw him away. That's kind of the mm -hmm. thing about um, the NBA that I don't know necessarily like goes past Twitter, but such a we just throw players away like Draymond and I'm saying we like me I you know also I'm, I'm prone to this like Draymond um really looking his age I was like man they should not give him any more money this is gonna go so downhill so fast that was like what two years ago a yeah. year and a half ago yeah even last year is like yeah. you know yeah um, um that's happened with a ton of players I don't yeah. That's my one thing with Russ. I'm not ready to like fully detonate Russ because I'm like, what if? We just don't know. Look at Chris Paul. He had the worst contract. Like everyone would tell you he had the worst contract in the NBA mm -hmm. when he got traded to the Warriors. He's untradeable. And then, you know. So. Yeah, you got a whole other thing. Yeah, he's crazy. Oh, gosh. Oh, my God. I, I think one team that I'm excited for, and it's the opposite of what you're saying, Haley, of like, they grew into a team. They completely made this team, and that's the Bulls. I mm. really want DeRozan to be happy and play great, beautiful mid-range basketball as long into the playoffs as he can. So their win last night, I don't, I don't think I really buy Milwaukee going back to the finals. I don't know if I'm completely sold in on that. A lot of people seem to be sold in on that, but um, I want the Bulls to, sh to shake that up. I, I'm rooting for them, and specifically DeRozan. Me too. And Caruso. Yeah, because that's the thing you were saying. Like, you know, it's not just DeRozan that got tossed on the scrap heap. It's also uh, Levine, you know? People said mm -hmm. the same thing that they're saying about Booker, which is like, oh, this guy just shoots a lot, and um, he's not a winning basketball player. He's just empty stats people. Now, a lot of times those people are right about that sort of thing, but it does seem like that determination comes super early now yeah it's like mm -hmm. he's 23 right yeah, right with so ingram yeah. they're saying the same thing too now mm -hmm. maybe they'll ultimately be right about ingram but you know like it just it's crazy how it really just takes like one playoff series and then everybody's opinion about it shifts right and um i don't know i i like that i actually like that because i don't like when you know the stack guys are like oh you know like his true shooting percentage or something she's like shut up you know <laughs> like he's like 21 years old just give him a little yeah, bit of time exactly. so if yeah. levine can flip that with the rosen i'd be so happy yeah. and also yeah. yeah um Giannis has won enough it's okay you know it'll be <laughs> something about the bucks i just feel like they have a short attention span i don't know if that makes sense mm. but that's how i feel about them um we're gonna take a quick break and then when we come back we are going to talk about something that counteracts or did counteract um the analy analytics people on twitter which is is it nba dark web or did you call it dark web nba oh the nba dark web yeah okay <laughs> talk about nba dark web when we come back If you don't have players on the field with the right skills, whether it's breakaway speed or elite playmaking ability, you're going to have a tough time winning. 
The same goes for your business. Indeed is a fast, simple way to make sure you're hiring MVPs. Go to indeed.com slash spinsters to claim your $75 credit before April 30th. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applicants that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash spinsters. Offer valid through April 30th. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. Indeed.com slash spinsters. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so can you, Harry actually wasn't sure. I don't know if Jordan was either, but I remember a time where there were always NBA dark web tweets and I really appreciated it because it felt like the only thing that was a requirement was just don't, just don't have to do your homework and make sure that you're in consensus with the rest of the internet. And because I started working at The Ringer when I was very young, like at 22, and then you know, Bill Simmons like retweets you and all of a sudden you have all these followers and it didn't feel like I was saying things that I wanted to say anymore. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, you it, feel, it, really, it genuinely you did. You feel trapped because you don't want to have people screaming at you. Oh my right, God, right. I just, yeah, and I was like still in the stage where I had to be, I just wanted people to like me and I wanted to, right. you know, to feel like people thought I was smart. Um, but so much of the time I was looking at what they're saying and I was like, that's so stupid. That's not correct. Um, and so, yes, I always appreciated the the sp- space that NBA Dark Web was, even <laughs> if it was just like a couple tweets. I, was, I just really liked it. Um, I liked the idea of it. So do you mind going into what it was and why you made something like that up? Well, yeah, I think it was just because it seemed like for a while that on NBA Twitter, there's this huge consensus moving towards a type of analytics Right. And my thing with I don't have any problem with analytics. In fact, like, you know, when I was a younger sports fan, I was really into baseball. I was very much into this stuff. I'd like right into the baseball prospectus writers and stuff like that. But with basketball, it always felt like the like, you know, like all these analytics were in process, you know, and having worked in sports media for a while, I started to realize that the actual analytics that the teams are using are all proprietary. And that the average fan or even like a lot of the writers who are writing from an analytics angle really didn't have any idea what they were talking about or like the stuff that they were using wasn't as good as they thought it was and that it also felt kind of faddish where it was like well every single time a company that has like some sort of vc backing or has some sort you know connection with sloan comes out with something then they get this huge write-up by like a no you know any number of like what is maybe like three or four people in particular who would write i'm not gonna say their names but you can guess like right would write like these long features about it being like you know the future of analytics is like sleep tracking or something and i'd be like you just you're just doing pr for this company you know (laughs) but then because those people had somewhat high purchase within nba twitter that would all filter through and then suddenly there would be like a new consensus that was literally just informed by pr for some sort of you know company and i found this to be completely intolerable you know because i just want to watch this basketball game 
I have my opinions on it. Some of them are informed. Yes, I do think it's better to take a three-pointer than a two-pointer, but I don't like watching people shoot three-pointers the whole time. And you can't bully me into pretending <laughs> that I like it because it's just basketball, you know? Like, we're not like, we're not like, we're not feeding people here where we have to be at peak efficiency all the time. You know, <laughs> like, like this is not anything important. I just want to watch the basketball that I want to watch, you know? And also, I just don't want to deal with all of you people screaming at me all the time. And so, yeah, I tried to start this thing. It really was a joke, you know? It was like, we're going to yeah. start the NBA dark web as a... And it was a joke on, like, you know, the intellectual dark web, which is not something I support politically, but I thought it would be funny to just be like, you know, do you have a heterodox NBA take, you know? <laughs> do you do you want to rail against the Twitter consensus and all these, you know, like, and all the woke mob of analytics, you know, that they come, come to, come to the, the NBA dark web where you could be like, oh, you know? Uh, but I think I got kind of co-opted by the Hooper versus basketball player um, conversation, mm. which is kind of the same conversation, but I totally understood when it came out because I was like, oh yeah, you know, I just want to talk about Hoopers. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can see that being, yeah. you know, a basketball player is very analytic. You care about true shooting percentage. A hooper, right. you want to have your crossover go viral, and like that's more of what you care about. So I could, right. I could see that those are similar. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or guys that just stand in the corner the whole time, and everyone's like, "It's amazing how he just stands in the corner the whole time and shoots." Yeah. You know, he's at forty-one percent of his corner threes, and I'm just like, "I hate that guy." You know, like, what's he do? Just go do something else. I don't want to watch you stand in the corner the whole time. You know, like, uh, but people are like, "Oh, efficiency." I'm just like, I don't know. I'd rather watch like a very entertaining, inefficient basketball game than watch like a very boring, efficient one. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That was kind of it, and it's also part of it was that. Haley, what you were saying before is something that, that when I was writing a lot about the NBA that I found somewhat frustrating, which was that there is a way in which like there, the consensus on NBA Twitter is very friendly to the league, you know, um, and the league determines that because like I think a lot of people don't know is that the league is extremely PR averse in a way that's like crazy. Like try writing something about the NBA that's critical about its business in any sort of way and you'll get a phone call phone in call. A second. Yeah. emails mm -hmm. from people way up in the NBA. Yeah. Right? Oh, Where yeah, just, head PR. Uh, the amount of times right. I talked to uh, Mike. Shout out to right, Mike. Right, right, <laughs> berated right. Berated by Mike. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. I've been berated by Mike, too. Yeah. Or you get, like, uh, you get, like, and if you're in, like, I don't know, like, you know, if I wrote it for the Times or something like that, you get these long, long lists of corrections that aren't corrections, you know? And be like, none yeah. of these are an actual correction. These are just, like, you saying that like you disagree with what I said, it's yeah. not a correction. <laughs> and so um, I felt, I, I actually think that's somewhat toxic, right? Because I think that what it does is that you have these access reporters, which I think all do a good job. I don't have a problem with what they do, but you know, a lot of it is access driven and those access driven people have to play the game that the NBA very powerful and, and angry PR people want to play. And so I don't know, I think that it's okay to just be like, if your job is not reporting on the league, which mine hasn't been in, I don't know, 10 years or something like that, you know, just like, I don't know, like sometimes you can just be like, fuck the NBA, you know, like the stuff yeah. sucks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And for me, it's like the, yes, for, for the fans too, purely like the people who aren't necessarily reporting, but people who read that reporting and then it kind of filters into their minds, mm -hmm. um, but who have independently come to love in analytics as well. It's not like I have a problem with that 
or I don't, you know, that's great supplemental knowledge, but it also creates this division with reporters who now have more access than ever to their readers and vice versa, that you can be right or wrong in sports. And the thing is, is like those numbers don't, like you said, tell the whole story and a debate about which player is better than which player, unless you're act, ask, like asking a very direct thing, like which player is a better three-point shooter. It's not cut and dry. Like these debates are not supposed to be cut and dry. And uh, there's no like correct answer just because you can pull out a stat on their, I can't even make it up anymore. Like their defensive viability Raptor. over, yeah, yeah they're, ra- <laughs> yes, exactly. That doesn't, and so the, the, it also has fueled, I think, more animosity around, no, I know that I'm correct and you're incorrect. Mm-hmm. And one time I was at a bar and someone brought up true shooting percentage. And I was like, oh, this no. is over. Yeah. This Get is out. the yeah. end. That's yeah. a, you have to do the Temecula thing. You <laughs> this know, is but the in end, real life. yeah. It was awful. So that, that was my main issue with it. I just didn't like... There's like, you know, there's a conversations there's debates and not in the way where it's like everyone's frustrated debates just like simple like you know me and jordan are talking about whatever and we're talking it through i don't like the idea in sports that people think they can be firmly right or wrong because a number tells them because sports are inherently silly they're ridiculous and they're games i don't like the seriousness of it all that numbers attached to it Mm -hmm. what's the fun of having that conversation you know like it's like in baseball, it was interesting because there was a sense that perhaps baseball could be solved. And it turns out that baseball mm. can kind of be solved, but that the thing that you're watching is is unwatchable, right? With all the shifts and the, um, you know, uppercut swings and everybody comes in, throws 99 miles an hour and, you know, pitches two innings. Like that's, it, I find it impossible to watch baseball, so I don't anymore. But in basketball, there's just so many more variables that it almost seems impossible to to solve right and then you do have i don't know like what's the fun if you can't have a conversation like you know is this guy gonna come and really perform in the playoffs or is he you know or is he a coward you know and they're like well i don't know you know like every discrete uh, outcome is always the same and you're just like oh my god like you know like please like i i'm just here to have i'm just here to give some takes you know and yeah <laughs> I just want to tell you, I just want a Peyton Pritchard vibes. looking prehistoric. Right, yeah, right. Exactly. I don't care about Peyton Pritchard's true shooting percentage. Yeah, you know? I just don't like how he runs. You know, maybe yeah. that makes it, maybe that makes me a bigot, but you know, it's okay. You know, like I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a bigot. Um, about Jake, and that's Pritchard's, Jay King, everybody. Yeah, his, his running style. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank this you. was very fun. We appreciate it. Well, that's our show. Um, Keep leaving us voicemails. Remember, call the Kevin Love Line. We want to try our very best to help with your relationship issues. That's really our side job. We love it. Call us at 502-874-4453 or send us an email at spinsters at bluehourpods.com to be featured on the show. And as always, shout out to our amazing producer, Harry Kinski. Hey, this is Cade from North Carolina, and I'm calling because I think that Scotty Barnes is the perfect NBA player match for the Spencer's podcast, and I think you guys should adopt him as your official NBA player, Um, you know, just like how some 
NBA players are associated with certain brands. I think Scotty Barnes should be associated with Spencer's podcast. First of all, he's a big hugger. I get really big hug vibes from your podcast. He's very emotionally intelligent and, you know, um, wants his teammates to express their emotions and just give them a hug if they're feeling down. And lastly, he just really has fun, like, doing Zumba with elderly people, which, you know, just think that's very endearing. I think he's the most endearing NBA player. I think there should be a more connection with him and the Spencer's podcast. Maybe see if you can get him on. Anyway, that's just a thought. Thank you, guys. Love you. Bye.